Thank you, Lord, for the Lord's day. Um, indeed, it is first and foremost uh, to bring glory and honor to you, but we are recipients of great grace, of encouragement, and of conviction. And Lord, we pray that all of those things would take place today as we participate uh, in, in worship of you. But uh, in this time of looking at the book of Numbers, we pray that you would fill our minds with useful, profitable information that will uh, result in godly spiritual fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Kaylin, what's the word used to describe the Hebrew canon? Starts with a T. Okay, uh, no. All right, Carol's got your back here. Did she? Okay, I couldn't hear. So, Tanakh, very good. All right. Uh, Glenda, what are the three parts of the Tanakh? Law, prophets, and the writings. Very good. Should we ask Dennis? Okay, Dennis. The prophets are divided into what? Two kind former and? Major. And latter. Former and latter, good, good, good. Okay, and then the uh, the writings are divided pretty much down the middle, two and half into. Thank you, Jane. Pre-exilic and post-exilic, very good. Um, The Pentateuch was likely authored. Yep, 1446 BC to 1406 BC, which is essentially the time of. The wilderness wanderings, very good, okay. Compared to other religions, what was unique about what we saw in Genesis about Christianity? Tell us. There's a fulfillment. It's all moving towards a, a goal. Um, very good. That started, we saw the, that, that kind of that first seed there in Genesis 3.15. Okay, what geographic features at the center of Exodus? Mount Sinai, good. Remember the, it, when you look at the, the two halves, there's the escape to Sinai, and then the second half is everything that takes place, uh, namely the, uh, the legislation that's delivered, the laws that are given at Sinai. Very good. Okay, now we're getting into more recent material. Where was Leviticus likely authored? Sinai. They're, they're still there. They're still there. They haven't gone anywhere. Yes. So I know that, that seemed a little... Uh, so they're still at Sinai, but what, was, what did we look at? What was the problem that they had that was solved? In, what, what, does Levitic, what problem does Leviticus solve? Yes, ta- yes, the presence of God, right? Access to God. So here, remember, um, uh, Exodus ends. They've completed the tabernacle. And then all of the sudden, you know, God's glory fills the tabernacle. And then we have a problem because not even Moses can get close to it. And it turns into a, what do we do now? And so Leviticus, the the book of Leviticus addresses that issue of, okay, here are the ceremonial laws. This is how you can gain access. And that's where you get, um, then in Leviticus, the whole concept or, or an extensive treatment of holiness of sacrifices, of priesthood. And in doing that, we see this, even though the words or the phrases are used interchangeably, but we see how it goes from being a tabernacle to a tent of meeting. In other words, they're now able to actually meet with God. 
Now, there has to be mediators and sacrifices and things like that, but at least he said, this is how we're going to make this happen. Okay? So that's how this whole story is unfolding. Okay, so today we're looking at the book of Numbers, and each time so far we've been looking at uh, the titles, you know, the title that we always have in our English Bibles comes from the Greek roots. So the one of Numbers, essentially, is right here. Um, but the Hebrew title is actually the first few words uh, that you find that, that, that seems to be the pattern in the Torah. They just used the first few words uh, in Hebrew, which... When translated in English, they, they put it in a different order. But when you're in Hebrew, the first few words are in the wilderness. Except for there's one more word before in the wilderness that is missing out of our English translation that is there. And we've come to learn that this is kind of an important word. What's the word? And. and. See, I love it. See, people are figuring this out. So... It's called a consecutive vav, or depending on your professor, a consecutive wow. But uh, there is embedded in those first words of Hebrew, this and, and that is helpful for us, again, for a couple of reasons. One, it continues to show the continuity of the story. This is unfolding consecutively. That's why the books are put in the Torah in this order. So we have this and, it shows this connection, this tie, it's binding to the previous book. And then the other thing that it helps us with is that it continues to demonstrate that we have the same author, really, because he's, he's continuing on, then he gets to the next book and he says and, and in, and in the wilderness, and we have this new episode of things that are going to take place, and it's connected to the old, but it's, it's, a, new, it's a new season right? Just like, just like we do with TV shows. It's like you have all this stuff that happens in Genesis and then there's this new season that takes place in uh, going to Mount Sinai and Exodus and then being there. And you get everything that unfolds so that they have access to God. And now we are in the wilderness. But what's going to happen in the wilderness? And that's what we're looking at. So I already gave this away, which you already knew. And that is Moses. Um, so let's look at a couple of scriptures just to uh, nail this. So Michelle, go ahead and read Numbers 33, 1 and 2, so that we can continue to feel comfortable with calling Moses the author. These are the journeys of the sons of Israel, by which they came out from the land of Egypt by their armies, by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And Moses wrote down their starting places according to their journeys by the command of Yahweh. And these are, the, these are their journeys according to their starting places. Okay, so it's going to talk about the journeys that take place in the wilderness. And as Michelle just read, it's from God and specifically said that Moses is the one that is writing down the journey. Uh, and then also the very last verse of Numbers is what Dennis is going to read. Numbers 36, 13. These are the commandments and the rules that the Lord commanded through Moses to the people of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. Okay, so the plains of mountain, and we're going to look at this more, at the plains of Moab, the, uh, at the border of the Jordan before Jericho. 
Now, hopefully, in your mind, you know, you grew up with the whole story of Jericho, so that tends to be one of those little waypoints, one of those little benchmarks that sticks in people's head is the whole story of Jericho, because that's the first spot that they're going to hit when they enter the promised land. So here we are at the end of Numbers, and they're about to go in there, and it's describing that these, these, so it's talking about everything from Numbers, is what, and prior to that, was what was given to Moses at and so, and it's leaving it at that particular spot in the storyline. So we continue to see that Moses is the man when it comes to uh, leadership and authorship of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Okay, we already discussed as well the date. So we still have our overall date span. Oops. But now, if you think about it, if you really want to be precise, I know there are a whole bunch of you in here that probably want to be this precise, but now you figure they're two or three years into this experience, so you probably can shave off. It's probably closer to, you know, 1443 B.C. Um, because they're, they're into it. And we're going to talk about the timeline here in just a minute as well. Um, but this is what we know as well that I think is helpful is, who's my, Sean, Leviticus 27:34. This tells us as well where they are throughout, or where they are right now. Mm-hmm. Sean. These are the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses for the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. Okay. So that's the, uh, I believe that was the last verse of Leviticus, right? So we're back to the thing right here, this whole and. This is helpful. Hopefully this is helpful for you to see how these things are connecting, that binder that's there, the little spiral bound. And so um, Sean just read the fact that at the last verse of the preceding book of Leviticus says, and, or, or says that they are currently in at Mount Sinai. And then we have our and in the wilderness of the beginning of Numbers. So we know that it's authored by Moses that is taking place during this time and that their physical location at that point is still at, um, at Mount Sinai. Now, in Exodus, I thought it was worth putting down here because this is just good doctrine, good theology, so we just want to see it in print as we think about it. Uh, there are three, as far as Old Testament law, there are three forms of the law. Um, someone want to Take a stab. Okay, I hear civil. I'm going to put that here at number two, actually. There we go. Moral. And I heard it over there somewhere. Ceremonial. Okay. So, those are our three of law. Am I still cutting out? So, we have our three forms of law, the, the moral, the civil, and the ceremonial. And at this point, they have received all three of these. So, if you recall that in the Abrahamic covenant, what Abraham was promised was a people and a land. So I put G's here just because just sometimes these little mnemonic devices are helpful to, to keep, help, helpful for people to remember things. So, they are or he was promised, if that's helpful, instead of people and land, is a genealogy and a geography. 
a people place. That would, there you go, two P's. People in a place, a genealogy and a geography, that's what's contained within this Abrahamic covenant that happened back in um, Genesis chapter 12 and then gets spoken about more in, in Genesis 15. But then remember we, that they serve a God that has a telos, there's a plan, there's a fulfillment. So everything that's unfolding has a purpose, which kind of goes to our and between the, uh, at the beginning of these books. And so this is what's taking place. And so if you think about it here, the promise was made to Abraham, one guy. It was perpetuated and it was renewed with his son Isaac, one guy. Then it was renewed with Jacob, one guy. So it's still just kind of going down. It's, it's got, in, in a, numerically, it's got slow beginnings. One, then one, then one. But then it goes from Jacob, it goes to 12, right? We, has, we have his 12 sons. So now we have 12 tribes. So now it's gone from one, one, one to 12. And then from 12, when we get into entering into Egypt, because that 12, it ends in Genesis, and we enter into, and it starts into Exodus. Do you remember the, the number? No? 70. So we're at 1, we're at 12, it gets up to 70, 70 enter the land, and now you have everything that happens in um, the land of Goshen while they're there, then the escape to Mount Sinai and to the point that we're here, and we're at 600,000. So you can see now how God's plan is what you might say, I don't know, starts as a mustard seed, you know, as an example. It blossoms into something much greater. So if God has promised a people or a genealogy, and he's promised a place. And at this point then, uh, it would seem that he is already coming through in spades with the people part, with the genealogy. So they're up to 600,000, at minimum 600,000 people that are at Mount Sinai. In addition to that, they are, uh, they are in possession of the Ark of the Covenant They've already built the tabernacle. They have possession of the Ten Commandments in the tablets itself. And they have many other civil and ceremonial laws that God uh, instructed Moses to write down. So you have the moral law that was uh, delivered directly to Moses. Then you have basically Moses dictate, or, um, God dictating to Moses these, these civil and these ceremonial laws. All of these things are in place. And in addition to that, they have the tent of meeting. They they have access to God. They're able to worship. Uh, they're able to worship God as well. So everything is falling into place. We already have the people. So that means we're missing in God's you know plan. He's he's unfolding this. He's got a. And so it's what we're missing now is the geography. That is to say that it would seem at this point, that it's time to move out. Everything's in place. Everything's in order. God's doing what he said he was going to do. He got them out of Egypt. He got them out of slavery. And he's going to now take them to the land. So, before pulling up stakes, there is one more thing that they decide to do. And this is the reason that the book of Numbers is called the book of Numbers is because it's associated with two censuses. Two times in the book of Numbers, there is a census that is taken, you know, counting of the people, 
type census. And so essentially what you have in the structure of the book of numbers is it's divided into two parts because you have census number one and you have census number two. And you see I have written up there chapters 1 to 25 is what takes place with this. With this. Another way to put this is census number one covers generation number one and census Census number two covers generation number two. Have two separate generations that are that's being covered within uh, within the book of Numbers. Now, basically, this first census, uh, what's happened is they've gone from being a, a people, you know, the whole one 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 twelve seventy. When you get to that number, you're still talking about a family, right? You're talking about patriarchs, and these are tribes, patriarchs. This is, this is a big family. But by the time you, when you get through the Exodus event that Pastor Nick has preached through, they've now transformed from a family to a nation. They're like legit. They're, you know, they like have been gotten their embossed, sealed paperwork. You're now a nation in a sense. You're Israel. And now they're up to 600,000 people. Well, if they're about to go into this promised land, there's going to be battle that's going to have to take place. You don't just walk in and say, hey, I think we're going to want this. So if there's going to be battle, then that means you need to get your act together and to figure out who's who, and we're going to have to put an army together. Um, honestly, it even made me think of the, the beginnings of... Um, uh, you know, the United States of America, you know, why, did there, why was there any federal government anyway in the beginning when, when they first came over here? It's because they're like, well, we got to get together and defend the country. That really was the, the initial thing is we have to be prepared for a defense um, of our country. And so Israel, God is preparing Israel in the same way. And he's saying, okay, right at the outset, right at the beginning of numbers, before they head out, he said, I want you to take a census of everybody that's over 20 years old that's basically of age to go to war. So everything's getting placed in order here. And then, can, can anyone, I'll, I'll just throw this out there, can, just if you have some grasp of what it is that's, a, that's going to take place down the road here in the book of Numbers, um, can you think of another reason why it was helpful to have a census? I know I'm just kind of throwing that out there, but how this is going to come into play? Uh, no, that's a good one. I like that. We could divide up the land. No, but um, what's going to happen is this is going to be the specific list of people that are not going to go into the land. And to me, this is helpful as well to remember. Our God doesn't uh, wing it. He names names. He knows exactly who is doing what, what side they're on. And in this case, a literal role is being taken of, hey, I've brought you out of the land of Egypt, out from slavery. I've brought you to Mount Sinai. I have given you the moral law in writing. I've given you the civil law, I've given you the ceremonial law, I've, I've created a tabernacle, I've given you the rules about having access to me, so it actually goes from being a tabernacle to a tent of meeting, and everything is in place. His glory has filled the tabernacle. I'm going to now take the people 
part that I've already clearly demonstrated that I'm fulfilling, and I'm about to take you into the promised land. I'm going to give you the promised land. And in fact, here's a list, census number one, of the people that are going to be the first recipients of this great promise that started with Abraham. You're the ones. We're putting your name, we're writing your names down. You are the ones that are going to go in. And of course, those also end up being the very ones that are to the man, not allowed to enter into the promised land, with the exception of um, Caleb and Joshua. Thank you. And those under 20. That's why this, this census is only four. You're not even writing down the names of those under 20. It's 20 and older are going to be part of this census. Now, my, my number is 14. Let's have my number is 14 because this is what happens. If you're wondering... Okay, I don't know if you've thought about this this way, but when you go, okay, well, if we take scripture at face value and we go, okay, when they send the spies into the land and they legitimately find basically these giants, um, very intimidating people, and then they come back and say, look, we're scared. You know, is it, does it seem harsh of God to say, well, fine, then, if you're not willing to go in, then you don't get to go in at all. Like, it, it, you know, if you, if you simplify it down to that, it can seem harsh. But let's look a little closer at the way that this plays out. And um, it, it is not pretty. So they come back. The ten, remember, there are the 12 spies. Two of them are faithful, Joshua and Caleb. And then we have the other 10 that were not And after that bad report, after they bring the report back, Numbers 14, we read the reaction of the rest of the people after hearing that report. So Numbers 14, 1 to 4. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Okay, so you're going to read verse 10 here in a second. Now, you guys have the benefit of having had Exodus preached to you, the first part, by Pastor Nick. And remember, he talked a lot about the polemic of the plagues, meaning they were very specific plagues against, you know, to to demonstrate, there was a teaching that was taking place to demonstrate that God is mightier than all of their individual false gods that they had. And Pharaoh himself being, in many ways, the representative of the adversary, of the evil one. Like, he is, in a sense, Satan personified. He is the consummate bad guy and God has made a promise to Abraham that is being carried out and is clearly working towards a goal God has written their names down and told them specifically you Rob Roy you Steve you Wayne you are going to go into the promised land you are going to be the first one to receive the gift 
of the land, the geography that has been promised to your people. And they said, we would like to go back under slavery to serve the representative of Satan himself. We would like to go back. So we're not just talking about, hey, conditions were better or that, they have, that they're misremembering the conditions and the whole idea of, oh, remember the leaks and the stew and all that kind of thing. Those, that's true. You know, we all tend to do those kinds of things. But in this context, they are making a statement about God and their complaining has taken this, their fear has turned into a complaining and their complaining now grows to something else. And what, uh, what Moses and Aaron do is try to tell the people, take a breath, hang on, you need to trust God, he's made us a promise, hold on. And then uh, Alice, read verse 10 of how they responded to Moses and Aaron trying to calm them down. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. So they went from fear to complaint, to prepare to commit murder, picking up the stones to commit murder, to prevent having to follow God's, trust God's plan and going into the land that was actually promised to them. And instead, they were prepared to murder so that they could go back under the rule and be slaves to a representative of Satan. I mean, so... That gives you a little better grasp of the offense that is taking place um, when they do that. Yes. Hang on, hang on. I think this just demonstrates, it seems, that uh, demonstrates the insidious work of fear in our hearts. Yes. When we give in to fear. And complaining. Yeah, and we're completely blind to the severity of yes. what we're thinking and doing yes. as a I result. totally agree. This should be a unsettling to all of us and our, as it relates to our fear and our complaining. All right, numbers, and then we get to, uh, this is just a little bit down the line in the same chapter, Rob Roy, numbers 14, 26 to 35. Let's see how God responds. And Yahweh spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, how long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares Yahweh, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and all of your number, listed in the census from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land where I swore that it would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, who you said would become a prey, I will bring in, and they shall know the land that you rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, forty days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity forty years, and you shall know my displeasure. I, Yahweh, have spoken. Surely this I will do to all this wicked generation 
a congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness, they shall come to a full end, and there they shall die. Okay, so we have fear that turned to complaining, that turned to a murderous heart that resulted in God's judgment of them. And then um, from that judgment that Rob Roy just read, I imagine that you caught it right there at uh, verse 29. Uh, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and all of your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land. We serve a God that names names. He keeps a record, and he says, fine, you you that could have been number one to receive the land of promise will now be uh, to the man judged. Robert, did you? And you have uh, delayed, diso- delayed obedience, which is disobedience, because in the next few verses, it seems they're kind of cycling through what has happened. Oh, we should have gone in. Now the right. Lord's saying we can't go right. in because we didn't fight. So... All right, let's make up for our sin of not going in to fight by going in to fight after the Lord says, you're not going to have the land. Right. Right. So they go in to fight. They lose. Um, So they did what the Lord commanded first, but disobeyed what the Lord had commanded second as a result of the punishment for the the first commandment. It's... um, It's... It's interesting how they didn't want to accept the punishment and somehow atone for themselves that first commandment and make it good and not lose out on the line. Dennis, we, so now let's, we're looking from this holistic structure point. Let's look at the very last verse of, uh, of Numbers. Numbers thirty six thirteen. Same one I read, right? Yes. Yeah. These are the commandments that the, the, and the rules that Yahweh commanded through Moses to the people of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. Okay. Now, knowing what you know now, are you hearing how similar this sounds to the end of Exodus, where they had received, they had the tabernacle. And then in Leviticus, they received the commandments. At the end of Leviticus, which Sean read, they had received all the commandments, like everything's ready for God to send them into the promised land. But generation number one failed miserably. And now, when we look at the end of Numbers, we're talking about generation number two, the second census group. And where does he have them? On the borders of Jordan, looking across the water at Jericho. And then you, going back to my, my analogy of TV series or whatever, this is like, that's the, and then that's the close of the episode, right? I mean, it's just, this is beautiful stuff. This is, you know, and they're in the wilderness. They're getting ready to set out, but there's all this drama that takes place with generation number one. It, we, then we're required to look at generation number two, who then is, continues to the point of stopping in the plains of Moab, right at the banks of the Jordan, looking across at Jericho, end of scene. You know, you're just like, wow, this is, this is amazing. So that's that overview of numbers. Now, this is too cool. We're going to look at the map 
uh, we're going to look at the map now that I gave you. Hopefully everybody has a map because I want to point some stuff out that it's just, man, it's, it's really neat. So if you look, you know, the, hopefully you remember that uh, when things were going well with Joseph, they were given the land of Goshen. So right up there in the top left area, that's where they start out. And then as you follow the lines uh, down to that, right there is the tip of, uh, this is the Red Sea, so presumably, at least according to this map, that's you know where the parting of the Red Sea would have been. And then you have them continuing down into what we call the Sinai Peninsula, down to this point uh, down here where it says Mount Sinai. Now, we don't know 100% that that's exactly where Mount Sinai is, but um, that's where they go. And then they continue back north. So there's Mount Sinai. So in your, in your head now, hopefully you're thinking through these things of, okay, Exodus escaping, you know, the Red Sea, and then they get to Mount Sinai. Okay, now they're at Mount Sinai. So we have, um, we have the second half of Exodus, and we have the entirety of the book of Leviticus. Now we're into numbers, and they're preparing to leave, and then they end up, move, they do the census, and they figure out how to set up camp and all that kind of thing. Then they move out, and they get up to near Kadesh Barnea. That's very important. Everyone see that on their map, Kadesh Barnea? So, and then if you see just past it, you see the little dotted line so that dotted line would be, it's trying to represent, that's where the spies would have gone in. And if you, if you notice, where they're headed, where they've been sent is Hebron. Anyone know the significance of Hebron at this point in the storyline? Anyone, by chance? Okay, so he, oh, Jane, what do you got? It's going to be David's home down the line because David's not in, yes, correct. Yes. So remember the story of Abraham after Sarah dies and he wants to buy the, the plot of land to, so he can bury his wife and so that he has a future grave. And that's his one little footprint. Pastor Nick made a point of that when he preached through it. They, just, they had this small piece of land. He paid full price. He's like, no, I'm not going to take your deal. I'm going to pay full price because I want the deed so it can never be questioned. That's where it is. So actually, before they go into the promised land, there is a deed for these people for the place that the tomb exists for Abraham, for Isaac, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, and for Jacob. Their, their bones are already in Hebron. They're bringing Joseph's bones with them because Joseph said, hey, make sure you bury me with my fathers. So they've got Joseph's, Joseph's bones with them, but they're supposed to go into the land. So they've got, they've, they've got a deed to, to, some, to a spot in there, and that's where the spies were sent. Hey, go check out our, our, our lot, right? And they go in and they come back and go, oh, no, 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 no. That's why you see them coming back. And so what ends up happening is that after they come back and they rebel is that they end up staying at or near Kadesh Barnea for the next almost 38 years. 37.75 years. So one thing to keep in mind is that we, you know, we frequently say, hey, they wandered the wilderness for 40 years. That's a little bit of a misnomer in the sense that they actually spent the lion's share, I mean, overwhelmingly amount of time near the region of Kadesh Barnea. So here's the thing. 
I'm just going to throw these numbers out real fast, and then I'll give you, uh, because this is fascinating. From the original Passover that took place in the land of Goshen to the crossing of the Red Sea was about 24 days. They arrive in the desert of sin or the wilderness of sin, takes about seven days. Then they make their way to Mount Sinai. That takes about 16 days. Uh, they spend 300 days setting up the, putting together, constructing, setting up the tabernacle. They leave Mount Sinai 49 days after that. Remember, they're trying to now, at this point now, they're trying to mobilize 600,000 people. That's why those first few chapters of um, numbers, you have both the census number one, and then you also have, hey, this is where everybody's going to be. East, west, north, south, line up like this. So they're all getting organized. Our 600,000 people are getting organized. And now it's time to actually move out. God's in the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke. And... Um, they make their way to Kadesh Barnea, which takes then from Mount Sinai at the bottom to get up to Kadesh Barnea, it takes 311 days, so right about 10 and a half months. So let me just say this. The amount of time, if you add all that up, the amount of time from first Passover, the institution of Passover, until generation number one, Let's assume for a moment that after the spies come back and, look, and if they did not give a bad report and they gave a good report and they obey and you know, trust God, let's assume there's not a delay in entering the promised land, okay? But that being the case, the amount of time from Passover number one until let's go into the promised land because we trust God is just under two years. Two years it would have taken them to go from Passover to entering the promised land, but instead we had their rebellion, and in fact they go right back then to where they had last stopped before the spies went in, which is Kadesh Barnea, and they stay there for the next 37 and three quarters years, 453 months. All right, and what's also kind of interesting, and this says something, is that we have no record of what they spent, uh, really of what took place, you know, we don't have details of families and, you know, stories and everything that took place during those 37 and three quarters years that they're just around Kadesh Barnea. It's like, basically, in a sense, God is almost blotting out this generation, just saying, okay, finish out your days. And he told them ahead of time how long that was going to be, one year, right, for every one of their... Uh, so, uh, so in their, this... this uh, record then that we don't know really what happened when it hits that 40 year you know they finish their time out being put in time out it culminates with Moses and Aaron acting unfaithfully and then also being refused to enter the promised land and we have a transition of leadership so again all this drama that's taking place and now even Moses and Aaron are enduring a similar punishment the same punishment as the rest of those people um, and not being allowed to enter the promised land, and leadership is transferred to Joshua. Now, census number two people, generation number two, once that time has, has come, and God says, okay, now, you people, how about you guys? You're going to go in, and now you have, if you look back at your map, notice they head you know, south down, easy on Geber and then all the way back up and it loops around and then you see where the, the arrow ends and it's right at the borders of the Jordan River 
looking across at Jericho. And these, this is generation number two now, and uh, of our of our of our people. So, anyway, I think that that is absolutely fascinating. Uh, there, as far as you know, it's helpful to have some sense of time that it would have been right about two years that 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 spying took place. Um, that they actually spent um, almost 38 of those years largely in, in one one spot there. Uh, and, and um, the, the last thing I wanted to point out is uh, a little bit separate note, is that I wanted to point out, I have all the scripture references, but we don't have time to, to look at them all. But we see a difference in the way that God treats his people pre-Sinai and post-Sinai. And now you guys have this whole, um, the geographic feature of Sinai and how important that is. And the fact, you know, the middle of Exodus and then how much time they spend there in Leviticus and then things they have to do before they take off there in Numbers. But God treats the people differently before they get to Sinai and after they've been to Sinai. And I just wanted to point out um, in Exodus 17, this is prior to Sinai, they grumbled about the water. God reprimands them and then provides them water. Later, in Numbers 11, they grumbled, and God destroyed a bunch of them with fire. Exodus 16, 27 to 30, they violated the Sabbath, which uh, Pastor Nick has preached about. Remember the, the gathering of the bread when they shouldn't and everything? They violated the Sabbath. It resulted in a reprimand. Numbers 15, 32, uh, in Numbers 15, they violated the Sabbath, or a man violated the Sabbath, and he said he must be killed. Uh, and then also Exodus 17, and this actually hits exactly what Pastor Nick just finished, uh, I think it was last week, about Israel defeating the Amalekites. That was, you know, with Moses. See, I already started to do that, didn't I? Moses holding up the, the staff, and they defeated the Amalekites. And then we see post-Sinai, they meet the Amalekites again, and actually they, they are defeated. So... Um, again, as we're thinking through these concepts, not just holistically about the book of Numbers, but also about the way that God deals with his people, and of course, census, a census being taken and naming names. He also, for those, you know, it, it reminds us of, of Romans uh, chapter 1, you know, it's better to have the law, you know, for sure, but you're also, there's an accountability that comes with having the law and knowing and that's what takes place right here. If I were to draw a mountain right here, Sinai, is that you see the difference between reprimand and you knew better. So, okay, yes, PJ. In the uh, transition from Leviticus to Numbers, it's cool in, in verse one you see, Yahweh spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, but then it says, in the tent of meeting, on the first day, so you see that progression. He's now communicating where he yeah. has specifically chosen. But then I also thought that the census is kind of interesting because you have uh, at the leaving of Exodus, or at the Exodus, it, we're told it's about 600,000 people. And then in the first census, you have 600, I think it's in 3,500, um, uh, 600,000, 603,550. And that's not including the Levites. So right. Correct. in two years of wandering, including a period of time running from the Egyptians, God has increased their numbers further 
um, which is crazy um, to think that that's expanding. But then the next time they take a census, after um, the census of the second generation, they're down to 601,000 people, uh, 601,730. And so it seems that the blessing that God had given them to multiply and uh, just um, produce um, in great number, greater than they were dying off, stopped. And that instead, you, oh. there's almost this like treading water of you're yeah. no longer going to get the generational blessing for violating right. the covenant. Um, and then, and obviously, those numbers are are of the men only. So there's probably a whole millions of people going on here. But then I I couldn't help but pull out uh, when thinking about this, thinking about the rich man and Lazarus, and how Lazarus uh, or the rich man in the graves asked to go share with his brothers, like, let me come back from the dead, warned them about what's to come. And he says, I beg you, Father, send, send to him uh, or send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have brothers, so they may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. And I just think about how nothing's changed. They didn't listen to Moses, which was speaking on behalf of God, and from that comes death and judgment. The rich man did not listen to the Jewish upbringing he had and listen to the words of Moses. And then here we are, we have just as much testimony and witness to the work of God as the people who witnessed the fire, the Red Sea, the plagues, all of that, because we have it all in Scripture. And if we refuse to listen to mm-hmm. it, we are doing the exact same thing over and over again yeah. all these generations. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm not cutting you off a second time. I don't, this is easy, I think. Yeah. So the pre-Sinai... Is that related to the census generation one or this oh, different? Uh, sorry, I am glad you asked that question. To clarify, this is, not, um, this is not specific to numbers because Sinai happens in Exodus. Yeah, thank you for, so, uh, yeah, that's unclear. So I was trying to demonstrate because what we actually see in numbers are these results right here, which are severe which makes you kind of look back and go, well, before Sinai happened, so pre-Numbers, there were reprimands involved in and ultimate victory. And over here we have, no, you know better. You've been told. So thank you. Thanks for this clarification. All right. Lord, thank you. Uh, thank you for this overview. Help us not to just be amazed and surprised and encouraged. Uh, we pray that it would... Um, grip us, that it would, uh, that we would want to search the scriptures even more, and that it might continue to lay a backdrop and a, lay a foundation um, that the, the upcoming message and, and future messages that we hear will build upon so that we might uh, hide your word in our heart and that we might not sin against you. In Christ's name, amen.